Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan of CNET. Inven Global, the esports news and media publication, has laid off its editorial staff and will seemingly shut down its news department, according to former Inven journalist Tom Matisse. This was later confirmed by the editor in chief, Radoslav Kolev. As of this recording, Inven Global has not confirmed the news department's closure. Inven's potential shuttering of its news department does not bode well for esports journalism. Earlier this year, Upcomer laid off half of its editorial staff, and ESPN Esports shuttered at the end of 2020. To break down the state of esports journalism is Adam Fitch, head of content at Hitmarker Jobs, a gaming and esports jobs website. Adam, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. Of course, man. I wish it was under better circumstances given the news, but uh, always a pleasure to chat, mate. Before we get started and get deep into what's happening at Invent, let's do a bit of a history. So what can you tell us about Invent? When did it start and what did it try to do to differentiate itself from the larger esports journalism ecosystem? I, I, I believe it started 2015, 2016, which is a bit mm-hmm. before my time, like professionally in journalism. What I can say is I got into the space properly in early 2018 and and straight away they they seemed to not be part of the mainstream coverage in a sense there was a lot of fgc on there and a lot of Mm. like uh the kind of eastern league of legends coverage from from my memory so they actually did fill a niche in like western esports journalism in a sense but they were never up there in in i guess like the top of mind for uh, journalism alongside like espn and, and dot esports and co really and when it comes to Inven's recent closure, I mean, what was the site looking like, you know, this past year? Was it not producing content that people were necessarily attracted to? Was the writing just not up to par? Or was it just not landing up in Google search? I, I would say if, if you look at their most recent output, they did what every kind of esports site has done is like try to pivot to more entertainment news as it is so like you look at kind of more casual games news and they, they launched like a um it might be called culture or like where basically they were trying to do cosplay and everything surrounding like esports and, and gaming culture as well so they mm-hmm. definitely did try and not not pivot but expand and capture more people just like espn esports did obviously before it, it closed its doors uh but i'd say predominantly it was legal legends seemed to be their their big uh, esports push because they had uh, they had Tom there, Nick, as well, who were like both full time League of Legends, like quite well respected journalists in in that scene, and obviously that's the biggest esports, so they they were obviously investing heavily on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I should say that Dot Esports itself does cover the general gaming uh, ecosystem or, or industry as well now, and it seems that a lot of websites have to make this very calculated play towards Google search engine optimization or SEO Uh in that some websites that can't organically grow in normal ways now because of just how segmented the internet is on certain platforms like Facebook or Reddit or TikTok, et cetera, to bring in that traffic, it has to be through like organic search on Google. And sometimes to get that search traffic, you have to write about the Legend of Zelda release date, things like that. I mean, is that, are those the types of articles that we were seeing at Invin? Uh, (laughs) as I say, they were certainly lending themselves more to trying to get into Google because, as you say, like that's almost a necessity at this point. Mm -hmm. In esports, there there are two angles you you go at because, like, just hardcore purist esports coverage isn't enough. You either um, play to like the Google gods 
um, which DeSoto does very well and, and, and Dot does well, of course, or you have like something else as your core business and you use the writing to kind of market that or keep your name top of mind. So I'm thinking of like Esports Insider. They're effectively like a esports events company on the conference side, masquerading mm-hmm. as a publication. Like they're not expecting to make shit tons of money from, you know, from from the actual content. But yeah, for the most part, you have to pivot. Uh, that's inevitable. Like Upcomer, for example, like uh, just before their layoffs, they were bragging about how they'd broken records, and I've actually seen their back end <laughs> and uh, through screenshots from someone who was there. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that like, there was a Yu-Gi-Oh online game that came out. And they were getting a lot of traffic from uh, SEO content around that. That was, I think, probably their first or second uh, biggest driver in terms of the categories they cover for Mm -hmm. for traffic. And yeah, it seems that many publications, especially new publications or publications in the esports industry, uh, are using SEO almost as a means of generating traffic versus, let's say, a tool to make existing content more searchable, right? And it seems that when websites do lean too heavily into, let's say, SEO or clickbait, things like that, it, it, while it can bring in maybe short-term clicks, it can also maybe sour how fans view a website. I, I agree. And I also think like, it doesn't really help the brand and the publication much mm-hmm. because if you're getting clicks off search, typically it's someone trying to find an answer to something. So mm. they will just click the first place that seems like they can reliably get that answer and then they're going to exit straight away. Whereas if you're known for like great long form features or like breaking stories all of the time on a particular game, then you've got that brand power where they're most likely going to come back. If you've got George Geddes and you're a Valorant fan, do you know what I mean? Like they're going to keep going back to see what the latest is in Valorant esports. Whereas, yeah, if, if you're just farming clicks effectively for content that no one cares about really but they're just looking for an answer so yeah it's like when is x game coming out or how do i unlock x skin in Fortnite? i i don't think that creates like staying power or, or keeps your publication and brand top of mind and i mean what does this mean for the state of esports journalism i, I mentioned at the top that you know espn esports shuttered upcomer had to lay off its staff well now with invention uh, closing there are only a handful of independent esports media organizations left um and even fewer jobs to go around for sure. I mean, I got out at the top of the year because I, I, it's, I don't know, every six months or so a publication either lays a bunch of people off or disappears entirely. And that trend's been present for like the four years I was really focusing on journalism. So mm-hmm. look, like now we've got Esports Observer, which we, which is being rolled into Sports Business Journal. We've got ESI, which is an events business effectively and, and doesn't go too far beyond it's here's what's happened in business and that's that like you, you're in and out on that quickly. Um, mm-hmm. As you say, Inven is gone now. They've, um, they're laid off all seven people that were writing for them. Uh, who else have we got? We've got Dot, which their mainstay is alongside DeSerto, but you get a, a grand mix of things there. You probably mm-hmm. get one eSports article versus five or ten non-eSports articles at this point. And mm-hmm. then in terms of big players, I'm, I may be blanking on one or two, but it's, it's dire. And I... I think it's it's emblematic of what what's going on in the larger media space anyway. I don't think many websites have figured out an effective method. You know, you've got Athletic and, and the such using subscription model, but if you try and apply that to esports where just the readership isn't quite there, 
say if you if you could convert like 0.1% of your readers into subscribers, paying subscribers, that's great. But only if you've got a lot of readers to start with, whereas that's not necessarily the case for esports. I think this kind of Twitch culture and YouTube culture more so than sitting down and reading uh, a feature culture, unfortunately. So it's, it's grim. Uh, I imagine we'll get a, bun- a bunch of independent, like small outfits now uh, where ESPN obviously tried to assemble like the Avengers of esports journalism where they had all the big names. I, I think that's probably going to be less plausible because of the, just the amount of money you have to spend on, on making that happen. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll have smaller websites, maybe one quote unquote star writer there surrounded by up and comers. And, and, you know, that sounds a bit more sustainable. So in effect, almost regressing to how esports used to be back like a decade ago or even longer. I mean, even even Dot Esports and Jacob Wolf ended uh, their partnership mm. earlier this year, and now Jacob is doing his own thing with uh, Substack. Yeah, and and well, that's that's been very financially lucrative for a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. in in the wider media space, right? But I think there's probably only Jacob, uh, Theon, Thorin, and Richard Lewis who could probably get away with that audience wise. Because uh, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. like converting <laughs> readers who are expect things for free, free at this point, uh, as as you do with written articles for the most part in esports, like you can just get to it for free. Um, if you want to watch an esports event, it'll be free on Twitch. If you want to watch, if you want to catch up on it, it'll be on YouTube later as a VOD for free. Um, trying to get them to pay for content is, is tough unless you've built your reputation up for years and years, like Jacob has. You know, he's got mm-hmm. a reputation for breaking big stories, but the model he's doing it as well. Like the the, the big breaking stories, they go out for free. They basically mm-hmm. market it for him, and then if you want his opinion and analysis on things, you pay a little bit. You know, he's he's got tiers as well. So I'm interested to see how that works out for him on like a, a long term basis over the next couple of years. But yeah, like if I try to do that now, it's not going to happen. I'll maybe get twenty dollars a month. You know, <laughs> so so yeah, it, it's it's tough unless you're you've been around for many years and and you're among the top like the upper echelon of esports journalists. I'd say. How much would you attribute Inven's recent layoffs to a downturn in the economy? Do you think Inven is trying to maybe predict how the economy will turn and is trying to get ahead of it by issuing these layoffs? That is a great question. I th- I think probably ad spend is down, and that's what a lot of media <laughs> companies seem to base their revenue structure off of so mm-hmm. uh, of course there's there's part of that i well i i don't like work in management there so i can't say for sure but i i, I would say based on people i've spoken with like this has been coming for a little bit there was a there was some pressure to get numbers up uh, uh for a few months but i i can't i can't say 100 percent is because of that but I, I i would be surprised if it wasn't a contributing factor at least you know like it's, it's going to be tough for a lot of companies it look like gamestop with their game informal publication like mm. there's, there's layoffs that's been that's been happening there right and well, games gamestop has plenty to say on that that's a very different topic but um it's a, it's affecting everyone and, and esports is, is just you know it's, it's not the most uh, financially fruitful place to begin with so we're going to get impacted the same as everyone else but also maybe a little bit worse because we're already a little bit shaky so yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say it definitely didn't help the case at Inven like that much I can say for sure but I don't mm. know how much how much of an effect it had I don't know if like if things were rosy right now economically on a macro scale would Inven survive uh, is I, I would probably say no it may be a few months longer than it has mm-hmm. done, uh, but it's probably an inevitability, unfortunately. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good that you brought up the Game Informer situation because, yeah, Game GameStop did have layoffs and did hit Game Informer pretty hard, which was unfortunate given that there were layoffs last year, I believe. And that, the, the Game Informer layoffs, I mean, I, I obviously don't have, like, a great insight into uh, the, the publication's financials or what's, what's exactly happening at GameStop, but uh, yeah, it's it's buoyed by a physical magazine that comes through the GameStop Pro account membership. Uh, and you would assume that there are enough GameStop customers that have Pro accounts that are also helping, you know, lift a physical magazine, a games magazine, that it would still stay afloat. But even then, it's having issues. And I was on Reddit last night kind of reading about the news on, I think, the GameStop Reddit. And a lot of people were you know, doing definitely... Uh, what is it armchair quarterbacking which is <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, they're just saying that if people actually did care about quality gaming journalism then they wouldn't be are uh, complaining about it here in these comments it would have actually done what was necessary to help support these publications and it was essentially just there were people arguing that people who really like to boohoo the clo- the layoffs and closures and how this is the end of like a certain segment of journalism weren't re- maybe there to begin with and maybe that was a very cynical look but i think it points to kind of just the way content and media is consumed online nowadays where you have certain key players that essentially have like the rails to the internet that then can really control what content people can cannot see based on sometimes like algorithms and things like that that can be outside of a publication's control uh it, it just makes more niche areas of journalism very very hard to um maintain and that's why i feel that tiktokers and youtubers like these individuals that maybe have maybe aren't like the journalistically the most sound you know reporters or whatnot but they're funny they're entertaining are able to sustain themselves because it's just one person sorry for that rant no i mean that the, there was one face that kept popping up when you were saying this uh in my mind and that's jake lucky Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I will say I don't I don't dislike the fellow as a person. I think he's a good guy, but I dislike the fact that he's basically the face of this esports reporting thing now uh, mm-hmm. for for many people because look he's he's not a sound reporter. He doesn't even class himself as a reporter. But people go to him for the news. I I always like now look at the the Deppen, uh herd thing where like everyone was watching videos and watching Twitch streams of it, like you know yeah. I mean, getting the commentary of it from their favorite personalities as well and I, I i think there's a lot to be learned from that uh so yeah i assume we're going for very personality led news <laughs> down the line where it'll be like okay let's get richard lewis reacting to this uh breaking news mm-hmm. right now which is something deserto had done for a while anyway um as he was editor at large you know like probably the best investigative journalist we've got in the industry and he was mostly for deserto like like reacting to results in csgo tournaments like <laughs> I think that's the sign of the times of where we're at, and we'll see more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Lucky's definitely one of those people. Um, his uh, understudy Hunter is trying to make a go of it as well, and yeah, we'll, we'll see more. But look, a lot of writers are not video personalities at all, at all, realistically. So I, I that scares me as well. Like if if um, you know Jacob and Emily Rand and Theon and and others could just like hop on and be the most charismatic video like on screen presenters ever, that would be great because we know they're sound in their reporting, mm-hmm. but this is simply not the case a lot of the time. No offense to them, obviously, uh, they are good, but they're not Jake Lucky good, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I find it quite worrying to be fair, and, and that's partly why I got out. It's like it's not a game I want to play particularly. Um, 
because I, I don't have a lot of faith in it and uh, I I don't know I, I think it does a disservice to the fans but that's what they want so mm. you have to give them what they want right or else you're just not going to survive the personality driven journalism in and of itself causes a lot of issues because I remember a few years back there were publications that were trying to uplift its writers and become more personal personality driven mm. and in you know in uh, ingrain more of their opinion to videos and reporting but then what happened is that people essentially felt that journalism had become biased and they lost trust and they're like look how could this person who is supposed to represent this journalistic organization uh, now is like you know embedding all their articles with their own personal opinions and they were able and I, I think viewers are able to differentiate that from youtubers which only represent themselves or you know, streamers what have you it, it's shown that it's caused a lot of problems for... I mean, I, I look at the New York Times and Rukmini Kalamaki, who the the Times really elevated as this, like, you know, star reporter, only to have her... Only to realize that, you know, her reporting was shoddy and um, ultimately embarrassed, embarrassed the Times pretty greatly. And even um, with the Washington Post and, and its recent firing of one of its reporters, who was very, very vocal on Twitter, criticizing the publication... Um, to the point where so some of her own colleagues started blocking her. Uh, it it really like I see I see like the the financial sense for publications to want to push towards personality, right? And that they're seeing TikTok stars you know, buy mansions while you know they're struggling to um, to pay their employees, but it. It, it ends up just in my in, in my 10 years 10 or so years in this industry it just kind of ends up blowing back yeah it's, it feels like there's a definitely a transition happening and mm. I hope we're not at, like we haven't seen where it ends because I don't like where it ends I hope it continues and we find a good balance or a happy medium I mean no matter what you think of her reporting like Taylor Lorenz very polarizing mm. figure now and that's great for mm. Washington Post right like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she probably has more haters reading her work than fans at this point <laughs> but like eyes are eyes you know what i mean and clicks are clicks so for them that's great and and while i don't know most of her, her reporting is probably very unbiased hopefully you'd, you'd at least hope so right she isn't just in there just giving opinions on everything but like she's definitely a polarizing figure herself and i i think journalists see that and go oh i need to do that as well i need to create a brand and that's why you see a lot of journalists with youtube channels and yeah. you know like the, the half and that's not anything new per se but you look at like barstool they seem pretty bloody successful and they're very personality led uh show led so yeah I, I think that's where we're going but i hope as i say we're that's not the like final destination i hope there's further evolution coming where we strike a nice balance somewhere and, and we figure it out so we're not just relying on Again, no offense, but the Jake Luckies of the world to deliver our news because that to me is a very bleak world. Yeah, and let's be honest, like some of the stuff that Barstool goes after, it's like what babes and pizza reviews. Some of that <laughs> stuff is just it's just easy. But it works. Well, with that, Adam, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you very much. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. To follow Adam and keep up to date on esports jobs, you can find him at ByAdamFitch on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Imad on Twitter. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.